the second chapter, uh, verses 14 through 18. I invite you to stand as we read God's word. But he, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile to them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Please be seated. In one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Good morning, saints of God. Him, we both have access. I believe it's now afternoon. To the Father. But I uh, want to welcome everybody here for this very special Sabbath service with Marianne's baptism. And everybody here is invited to stay for lunch. We have a special lunch prepared. When I was downstairs changing, morning, I could smell the food. So uh, you won't get a real long sermon or anything like that, but we'll all be invited down there. So. But what I introduce today's message is peace from a broken wall. That's today's message. But before we go there, want to uh, just go over some housekeeping preliminaries. And we're going to have to advance this. From a broken wall. Even that's message. Oh, there it is. So I want to also welcome our online audience. And if you are hearing this message online, you are, we don't have a lunch prepared for you, but you are welcome to come here week in and week out. And if you want to hear more messages like this, you can find them on the Middletown Portland SDA.org website, or you might be watching on Facebook or some other social media platform. I also want to let you know about a my own uh, YouTube channel. It's called Path of Prophecy, and you're more than welcome to check out special messages that are featured right there. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we want to thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be with us as we open your word. And that when we leave here today, we would not leave with just knowledge, but a greater love for you and a love for our fellow man. We pray this wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So our message today is peace from a broken wall. And the question that really needs to be asked is how can you get peace from a broken wall? Right? Because, for example, uh, our brothers and sisters over in Turkey and northern Syria are suffering because their walls have broken down through this tremendous earthquake, tragic earthquake that has taken place. And you can see, might be kind of uh, hard to see, but the man right there, he doesn't look like he's very peaceful right now because his walls have broken down. He looks rather distressed, wouldn't you say? And But that is not the only example. We have this example in the Ukraine. A uh, family is walking down the street, and the rubble from the bombings is there. And you can see that walls have collapsed and buildings are in disarray. 
And that's certainly not a place of peace with a wall broken down. So how can we get peace through a broken wall? Well, the Bible says this, talking about this wall. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now, the question is, that's from our scripture reading that Fred read to us just a few moments ago. What is that exactly talking about? What does that mean? Well, the he himself is talking about Jesus. And he has made both one. He's talking about the two distinct races that were acknowledged at the time when this particular passage of Scripture was written. He's referring to the Jews and then everybody else, the Gentiles. Okay? And so what Christ has done for us is that Christ is our peace who has made both Jew and Gentile into one. And how did he do this? Because he broke down the middle wall of separation. And so what does that mean? Well, I have a picture to show you in the next slide. And I just want to give you an explanation of what you're going to see. This is an archaeological discovery that was made several years ago. And I'm going to explain what this archaeological discovery is. But this was a uh, an inscription that was written by Herod himself. He didn't write it in the wall. He had his workers work it, but he worded it. So that the Jews would understand and the Gentiles would understand where that line was and how serious it was to cross that line. So I'm going to show you there. That's the archaeological discovery. And this inscribed stone from the Temple of Herod was discovered by Clermont Ganot in Jerusalem in 1871. So it was quite a while ago. In fact, it was even before this building was built. Okay? So I'm going Not that long, but there. long enough. That's the and it is now in the museum in Istanbul. The Greek inscription reads, No stranger or a non-Jew is to enter within the balustrade around the temple and enclosure. Listen to this. Whoever is caught will be responsible to himself for his death that will ensue. Do you understand how serious it was to cross that wall of distinction, of separation between Jew and Gentile? It could mean life. Now, that's not what God ordained. That's what man established. Okay? Let's make that distinction very clear. God never made that decree. That was a man-made decree. Now, that's not what God okay? ordained. Do we understand that? Because we need to understand that because many would then perceive, well, this is how God was back then, and this is how he is now. It sounds like God is confused, right? That's how we would take it, but that's not how it's meant to be understood. This was an inscription that man had written that because man established this tradition, not God. And so here's, let me explain further. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 says, 
having abolished the abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace so again this passage is referring to the work that Jesus accomplished at Calvary well, what did he do at Calvary? Well, he died on a cross. Well, what did he accomplish by doing that? Well, he forgave us of our sins. And Marianne's baptism is a testimony of the power of the gospel that still resonates 2,000 years later. Amen? What did he do at Calvary? So that speaks for itself. But there was other work that Christ did. And this is what Paul is talking about. He, through his death, abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that he could create one new race, rather than having the Jews over here and the Gentiles over here. And that has application to our day as well, that if we are in Christ, we are one family. Amen? We are not... Well, these are the whites over here, and these are the blacks over here, and the Hispanics are over here. Now, that may be our nationality, and it's perfectly appropriate to identify in that way, but we have to remember in the house of God, we are all one people. We are one family. Okay? We're all one people. There may be different flavors downstairs at Potluck because of our cultural backgrounds, and that's what makes being in the house of God such a rich experience, because we like a particular food. I know I like my bean burritos. Amen? I'm very thankful for Taco Bell. Okay? I happen to like Taco Bell. Okay? But there's some who prefer this and, and that and so on and so forth. And it's all because we have different preferences. But what we're all united on is the mission of God. And the mission of God was to bring about and to restore humanity because of what sin caused. Sin brought about division. Okay? Sin brought about division. And so here's what happened. Let me just break this down further. But uh, what is re being referred to here is the ceremonial system. And what created the problem between the Jew and the Gentile was not the actual ceremonial system, but the interpretation that the Jews had placed upon the ceremonial system. And what it did in kind was it alienated the Gentiles from having access to the truth that God wanted to reveal to the world in His Word. Yes, the Bible says, and the Bible is very clear, that the oracles of God were entrusted to the Jews, and they were then to share that with the world. But because of after the Babylonian captivity, that's when Pharisaism began to arise and emerge, and through that, there became this prejudice towards the Gentiles. And so the Jews then began to despise the Gentiles, and the Gentiles in turn despised the Jews. And so you have this division. And when Christ came, we see that Christ came to minister to all people. Amen? He ministered to all. In fact, we see this further. It says, and that he might reconcile them both, both the Jew and the Gentile, to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, here's the beauty of the gospel, folks. 
I shared a picture of that uh, archaeological discovery that was made. And what was the penalty for crossing the wall or crossing the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile? It was death. It was death. Okay? Here's the good news. God himself allowed himself to die so that the Jews and the Gentiles could be reunited. Amen? Rather than saying, okay, who's going to sacrifice their life? Well, if you're a Gentile, you can't cross, and if you cross, we're going to kill you. God said, I will go. I will cross. I, I will break down that barrier. I will break down that barrier. Folks, that's the gospel. It's not just for our sins. It's in a practical sense, yes, Christ died for our sins, but he also died for humanity to restore us back in the image of God. Because when God created us and uh, put our first parents in the Garden of Eden, he didn't create uh, and say, okay, well, you know, the African-Americans, they're going to be taking care of the carrots and peas over here, and the Hispanics, they're going to be taking care of the potatoes over here, and the Caucasians, they're going to be taking care of the tomatoes over here. He didn't do it that way. He created one man, Adam, and from Adam, he brought forth the rib of Adam and made Adam's bride, Eve. From them, all the races came forth. Then, of course, wickedness fell upon the earth, and uh, the flood came. But one family was preserved, and from that one family, we all come. Yeah, Noah and his three sons and their wives. All of us can trace our lineage back there. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. But yet we behave like we're not family. But one family was preserved. And uh, part of that is because we're, well, the reason for that is because we're sinful beings. But when we come into the house of God, look, just take a look around you and see how many races are being represented here. So I shouldn't say races, but how many nationalities? But yet we behave like we're not How many nationalities just in this one little room? And, and our vision is to fill this room with people. Amen? Well, the reason that's the vision. Because we're sinful beings with people from every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, and people. And you can find them here just in the Portland-Middletown region. Okay? So we've got an exciting future ahead of us here at Middletown Church. Okay? We want you to be part of it. Amen. We want you to be part of it. But here's what the rest of the text goes on to say. It says, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. So the ministry of Christ was to come here, and he himself preached. He himself preached to the Gentiles over here, and he himself preached to the Jews over here in Jerusalem. goes on to say, says, and he came, and through that, he made the gospel accessible to all. How so? Well, let me just give you one example. There's many examples that we can find in the Bible, but when I was preparing this message, this is the one that came to my mind. You can find this in... Uh, two stories in the gospel, two, two places in the gospel. One is Matthew chapter 8, uh, and then the other one here is Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. I chose Luke because Luke himself is a Gentile, and Luke brings out this, uh, this phenomena or this, this truth in his account, and that's the story of the Roman centurion who's had a servant who needed to be healed. And so let's take a look here. Romans, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now when he, speaking of Jesus, 
when he concluded all his sayings in the hearings of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was uh, under, uh, who was dear to him, I misspelled it there, my apologies, was sick and ready to die. Sick and ready to die. Now, this Roman centurion was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. But the passage goes on to say, so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to, to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Okay? And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us synagogues. Now, we don't have the name of this centurion. We don't know exactly where he was from. We don't know his religious background other than this. And what we do know about what the Romans were required to do, what the Romans were taught to do, is they were taught to worship many different gods. And you could choose whatever god you wanted, or you could worship all of them. And there was Jupiter, and there was Zeus, and there was this one, and uh, you know all these different gods. But here's what I kind of, in my little sanctified imagination, try to think about, is that he was probably sick and tired of these Roman gods and saw that it was foolishness. And something somehow struck him about the faith of the Jews. Perhaps these folks at his synagogue maybe initially were prejudiced. Maybe they did treat him that way. Or maybe this little synagogue that he was connected to was not prejudiced towards him. Maybe they were kind. And in their kindness, Perhaps these folks at his they attracted him to them. But at some point in time, he himself was moved and fell in love with the Jewish people. It says here, for he loves our nation. But he did something else. He gave a gift to the synagogue. It says here, he actually helped build that synagogue. Maybe he provided the funding for it. Maybe he uh, provided some of the manpower and the labor for it. We don't really know. We just know what Luke tells us. But we can let our imagination think a little bit about this as to how they got to this point. But what it does say is Luke is showing us the racial distinctions and the tensions that were going on. And so here's what happened next. But we can let then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. He didn't even think it was necessary for Jesus to come to the house. Why was that? Here's what he says. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. He didn't even think that he was worthy to go to Jesus. This is why he sent the elders. And then when uh, the others came, he was communicating with his friends to Jesus because he saw himself as a sinful person. Okay? And his faith, though, is what really stands out. And Jesus makes a point of putting a spotlight on this, especially in Matthew's version of this story. But what Jesus, what, what the centurion wrestled with was this. He said, listen, 
All you have to do is what really is uh, say the word. And he said this. He said, "For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And here's what I do: I say, go, and he goes; and I say to another, come, and he comes; and to my servant, do this, and he does it." So this Roman centurion's paradigm was it was that military background. Curtis, you understand what this was all about, right? When the captain says you do this, what do you do? You say, nah, I'll take care of it next week. No, you jump to attention, right? Would you ever get away with that? No, you would never get away with that. You snap at attention and you do it because the captain has said so. And when the sergeant says this, you do that. And when the lieutenant says this, you do that. And so this centurion recognized this truth of the power of the spoken word. And so he said, listen, you don't have to come under my roof. All you have to do is say, be healed. Even if it's just a hundred, even if it's, you know, 20 miles away, whatever the case, a day's journey, it doesn't matter. If you say it, I believe it will happen and just, just do it. And so what we're said, what the story goes on to say, when Jesus heard these things, he did what? Even if it's just a hundred, he marveled. You know, Twenty miles away, he marveled and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, "I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel." Not even in Israel. He did what? You see, folks. He marveled and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, "This is God's word, and this is all we have." Not even in Israel. And that's because that's all we need. That's right. Rightly said. But this is what God has given to us. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all ours. Amen? It's all ours. And so the promises are ours. They're for us. They're for you and for me. Yes. And for anybody who wants to become a believer, it's for them as well. Okay? So, Marianne, these promises are for you. And so, don't forget this. That they're for you and for me. Yes. That's okay, Elizabeth. Whoever it is. To become a believer, it's for them. Okay. So, Marianne, these promises are for you. And so... Don't there you go. get this. That's okay. That's okay. I just paused, not to embarrass or anything like that, but just so that that would be taken care of. Okay, but here's the issue. That's okay, Elizabeth. And it's interesting that the, that call went out just when I was about to say this, because this is important. Marianne, you're a babe in Christ. Okay? That's okay. But here's the deal. I just paused, not to embarrass or anything like that, but just... After Jesus was baptized, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, the very next thing that took place was he was tempted by the devil. And so don't... I don't want you to think that just because you were baptized that the devil's never going to give up on you. He's going to try to work harder. All the more reason to understand this valuable truth that this book is for us. Okay, because Jesus resisted the temptation of the devil by what? By the word of God. By the word of God. So we have to covenant to spend time regularly in the word of God. We have to go to it daily. Okay, 
and read for ourselves what the Word of God has to say. Because if we don't, the devil will try to twist it. And to, just to prove the point, you can go on the Internet and find all kinds of stuff, all kinds of doctrines that are out there that are of folks twisting things this way and twisting things that way and taking this out of context and reading this into a context in which it was never intended. Okay? I'm not saying I know all the scripture. What I'm saying is that there's a lot of foolishness out there of folks twisting the scripture. And so this is why God has given us, because even the devil himself in his temptation of Jesus twisted the scriptures. You see, the devil himself knows the scriptures, which means we need to know them better than him. And that can't come in our own strength. That comes in the strength of God through the Holy Spirit, which means we need to pray as well. Well, the Roman centurion sought out Jesus, and Jesus marveled at this centurion's faith. And it says, and those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. You know, Marianne recognized that she was sick. She was sick with sin. And it was the Spirit of God that convicted her. It's interesting, in the Bible, the Bible tells a story about these ten lepers who wanted to be healed of their leprosy. And they uh, sought out Jesus, and uh, Jesus healed them. It's interesting, but they all went on their way, but one of those ten came back to thank Jesus and to worship him. And Jesus raised the question with this one leper, and he said, you know, I healed ten of you. How come there's only one who's returned? Where's the other nine? And the, the point of the story, though, is that Jesus said to that one leper, he said, your faith has made you whole. And he says, you have been healed. Okay, And that word healed doesn't just mean a word that's applied to healing of a disease like leprosy or something else. But it also applies to our salvation as well. Amen? Because in the Bible, we're, we're, we're sick in all areas of our lives. We experience the, the, uh, the sickness of sin. And that affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, right? It breaks apart families, right? Some people need healing from this disease. Some people need their families to be healed. Some people need their emotions healed, and so on and so forth. Right? The good news is, is that God in His Word provides that healing. Amen? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. So. Some people need their families to be healed. Peace from a broken wall. Right? We don't think that a wall, a wall that's been broken down would bring peace. We think it would bring in the enemy, right? But it's referring to a work that Christ accomplished to bring healing between the nations. Amen? Amen. And the Bible, this passage concludes, For through Him we both have access to, by one Spirit to the Father. The Jews have access to that one Spirit. The Gentiles have access to that one Spirit that God Himself gives. But it's all accomplished through Jesus 
Christ, Jesus the Christ. Amen? So that brings us to the conclusion of this message. I told you it would be short. Because we want to fellowship downstairs, but we fellowshiped around God's word. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this glorious Sabbath day. Every Sabbath is glorious, but Father, this is just a thrill. I understand from the history of this body of believers, and uh, perhaps uh, Pat will correct me afterwards, I don't know, but I talked to Phil about this, and I asked Phil, I said, when was the last time there was a baptism? He says it was about Rex's baptism, and uh, I believe that was about four and a half, five years ago. So Father, we're just thankful for your spirit working even today in this 21st century, 2,000 years removed from this uh, biblical record that we examine today. And it's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would rest upon Marianne. And we thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we have our closing hymn, before we have our closing hymn, I want to do something else. And I want to invite Marianne here, and I'd like to invite Fred here as well. Fred's one of our elders. And Phil, if you would come on up here. No, no, no. Come on up here, Marianne. Because there is the baptism by water, but there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to have a special prayer over you. Okay? And we're going to lay hands on you. Okay? And I don't know if you can come on up here. Is it uh, possible for you to kneel? Or is it a difficult? All right, let's get a cushion. Phil's going to get a cushion here. There you go. Yeah, and lean against the wall here, and that's fine. There you go. So gather around, gather around. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the fruit that we are able to see. It's a fruit of faith that we labor, Father, in the vineyard to see precious souls like Marianne come to the glory of the gospel of Christ. And it's my prayer that as she was baptized by water and immersed in the water, that you would immerse her in your spirit. Because this is what happened to Jesus at his baptism. And Jesus came to break down the wall of barriers so that we all have access by one to the one spirit, Jesus. So, Father, I pray your rich blessings upon Marianne, that you would give her strength in the days that follow, to help her to resist the devil and all of his temptations, and bless her, Father. Fill her life with the presence of your Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.